Chronicles of a Church Planning Team podcast. Nailed it that time. Uh, this podcast is just a living journal of uh, a, a ragtag bunch of kiddos going to Vermont to church, to church plant. Lacey is shaking her head at what I just said. I think it's the best intro we've done yet. So. It, was, it was great. It was uh, awesome. So I'm here with Lacey Hunley, one of the team members on the church planning team uh, that is bound for Vermont. And um, yeah, say hello, Lacey. Hey. We're recording this kind of late, and I've got a newborn baby, and I'm a little tired, so you got to forgive me. Um, it was. Here's what I'll say about the intro. Okay. It was hip. It was real hip. Oh, <laughs> jerk. Hi, Huntley. Inside joke. <laughs> you have to listen to our last podcast to get that joke. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you cool kids. Uh, all right. So, so um, the topic at hand that we want to talk about this week uh, in regards to just things that we're trying to think through when it comes to church planning and the different... Uh, obstacles and the different challenges and and the different realities that we're going to have to face once we actually are church planting. That was a very loud ice waterfall you just had there. Look guys, (laughs) I'm supporting Chick-fil-A, a a Christian-owned business, and now they have the really small crunchy ice, the soft ice. Oh, nice. What did they have before? That's all I have to say about that. Uh, the, the big cube ice? Well, the kind that's like domed on the top and flat on the bottom. Oh. It's like a really short roof. Yeah, I really like that kind of ice. Now they have like Sonic ice, and that's, that's awesome. Sonic ice. That's yeah, Sonic ice is good. Anyway, uh, so one of the things that we do want to talk about, uh, and it's, it's something that I've been made more aware of, of some friends up in Vermont who've kind of dealt with this thing um, a lot in the most recent past um, is that when you are planning a church, one thing that you have to think about is that you're going to have some sort of voice in your community, um, whether for uh, your benefit or whether for your detriment. Um, And it's not something that I I really thought about uh, until until we really started um, planning for Vermont because um, the church plants that I've been involved with um, overseas. They've dealt with some kind of community kickback and things like that, but but nothing like really like strong or anything like that. I mean, it's just been like, oh yeah, what's that new, you know, American church that's up the road or something like that, or or what's that? Uh, um, what are those like, you know, real Bible believers doing here? But it wasn't ever like antagonistic, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but. We know some church planners up in Vermont um, who who have you know dealt with some things that are um, a little bit more difficult um, and and had some uh, communities kind of you know come out against them and and you know write op eds that are negative about them and all these different kinds of things and um, and a lot of it was based on specific stances that they took um, on certain topics and their choice to stay biblical and, and put out a biblical message. Um, to the community, and um, and so yeah, that's one thing that I, I wanted to talk about with you, Lacey. If if that's something that before this podcast, if that's something that you had had really thought about when like when we established a church, it's up and going. We have some members there, and then we are confronted with a a cultural issue where we have to take a biblical stance. Um, 
and the people around us don't really like it. Have you thought about that kind of That is the quintessential thing? situation in which I get absolutely terrified oh, really? and run away. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Good to know that is where you stand on. No, 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 no. In all seriousness, yeah. as Taylor Swift says, haters going to hate. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. All right, all right, all right. We'll try this a third time. Um, yeah, no, I, yes and no. <laughs> no, I definitely have that thought in the forefront of my mind as far as um, situations that could happen whenever we move to Vermont, um, just a community and a culture that's just very different than where I grew up and mm-hmm. where I am right now. Um, and just honestly, me personally, I've always... Um, come into that situation um, of me having a, a dissenting voice or a dissenting opinion or mm-hmm. or an opinion that's very different than a lot of others. I mean, I felt it when I was a little kid. I always was really quick to speak my mind mm-hmm. and not wait for, okay, what else is everybody else thinking before I speak what I believe and right. what I care about and what I'm passionate about. Um, so I've definitely considered, I've definitely considered, um, how we could react to something like that. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to prepare myself for, um, seeing that and kind of like you mentioned how there are other church planners there in Vermont. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of, um, Ben Whittinghill, but he, he was, um, he has a, pretty successful church plant um in brattleboro and um yeah i i guess they were dealing with some kind of issue with the community around them and he was saying they handled it pretty well and they they stood firm on their beliefs but they Mm -hmm. handled it with grace and um, they didn't try to mar anybody else's name and attack anybody else and and how he said that actually ended up being a positive for them yeah so i try to keep things like that in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. um but yeah i've I've always I've always warred with that idea of feeling like I've done something wrong when I stand mm-hmm. up for what I believe. Yeah. When I'm the only one standing up for it. Right. And how it I'm not necessarily wrong mm-hmm. if I'm the only one saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just sometimes alone. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that's. <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> There's just so much to dive into on that topic. There's just so much because, I mean, that's kind of what being a Christian is, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of what we're called to. So right, right. It's something we have to be prepared for. If we haven't already faced it, um, there actually should be a little bit of um, worry about that if we haven't ever faced any kind of dissenting opinion and yeah, we've yeah. never felt isolated in what we believe Mm-hmm. Um, are we even having access to unbelievers or are we even taking stances that are biblical mm-hmm. and not just going with the, the wave in the current? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where some churches can, can sometimes fall into um, uh, what's called like syncretism and mm-hmm. they can go to a particular area with, with great intentions of, of you know spreading the gospel, staying biblical, and all these different kinds of things, but because of different societal pressures and, and, and sometimes with, with the noble attitude of wanting to fit in the culture that they are um, trying to reach, they start to 
synchronize Christian beliefs with the culture around them and bring start bringing in too much of the culture. And then when you do that, it can completely warp your values. It can start to warp your theology. Um, you start becoming, you start looking more and more like the world instead mm-hmm. of being salt and light. Um, and and again, I think a lot of these a lot of these churches can can go out with these good intentions, but because they don't want to ruffle any feathers, and because they're maybe some are afraid to uh, to push unbelievers away. They just they compromise biblical beliefs in pursuit of of that aim. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you are planning a church or when you're when you're just a Christian in this world and and you never speak up for a biblical viewpoint, then I mean you're not really you're not really putting your hand to the plow um, in the way that I think Jesus demands of us. Um, You know, I mean, Jesus himself said that, you know, the world is going to hate you because they first hated me. And that's something that we've got to accept. And they don't hate us because of the way that we say the message. They don't hate us because of our, uh, because of having a bad attitude or anything like that, um, because we shouldn't have those things. But they hate us because the message that we are sending is that, you know, you're, you are a fallen human being who is uh, uh, chained by sin, who needs salvation, and who needs the grace of God. Um, and that's that's it's not an easy to digest message. I mean, it's it's kind of uh, repulsive to to some people to think that they are not okay the way that they are. Yeah. Um, especially when that's the uh, that's the anthem of the american culture right is that you are you are good and perfect and and there's nothing wrong with you the way that you are when the bible says something dramatically different um and uh and yeah so if we don't say that and we don't come up against any opposition then like you said we may want to i don't know kind of check if we're doing the right thing, if we're yeah. saying the right thing, if we're saying anything at all. Yeah. Because I think that could be a problem too if we don't have any voice in the yeah. community, right? If we don't say, if we just allow things to, to pass by and we don't don't speak up um, because of fear of confrontation and all that kind of yeah. stuff, that, that can be equally as damaging, I think. Yeah, I mean, that was what I was thinking of for the the other church planner that, I mean, had some kind of, um yeah some kind of op-ed written against the church it's like wow like they were getting well known enough to where they that was a story you know like that was a story for someone someone had an opinion about them because their voice was getting pretty loud you know Mm -hmm. getting loud enough to be heard right um but yeah i mean in the end like what's our end goal you know if we're if we're offering something that the world isn't offering then we're not going to be received Mm -hmm. the way that the world is received you know and the way that the culture is received um yeah we're going to be yeah going against the grain and going against the current and i mean yeah like that's what jesus was and and anyways um (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah, and I always thought it was—it's interesting too to see the way different cultures react to to churches, because 
and and sometimes it changes with mm. the times too, yeah. or like what what current events are going on. I mean, because people in in a particular city or a particular town or whatever, uh, they can they can look at churches for comfort. I mean, they can look at churches for the place where they can you know hear about salvation. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they can I don't know see the church as you know the a place to go if they want answers to existential questions or, or guidance or um, or I don't know even the place that we're going just some place to pin some sort of blame on yeah. you know of some sort of, of label because they don't like God they don't like Christianity they don't like quote unquote organized religion and so they want to I mean, some people go out of their way to to you know call Christians bigots and label them as uh, as homophobic or transphobic or or any sort of phobic that you can think of, um, and and that is how some some cultures see us. Yeah. And you know, from my observation, once a church plan is established and takes just one stance on something that is against the cultural flow. Uh, you become seen more broadly and yeah. you become, um, and it can be difficult for yeah. sure. There's an opportunity for backlash. Yeah. So I have a very specific story yeah. um, that happened to us the first time we went to Vermont that speaks exactly to this mm-hmm. and honestly speaks to the fears that I had and, and, and actually kind of God has taught me. But um, so the first time we were there, Um, it's a story of an interview dinner that Ethan and I were at Mm -hmm. and, um, Ethan was, this isn't the clinic that he will be working at, but he was interviewing and, um, they, they take you out to dinner and they want to get to know you and your spouse. So I was there, um, and I was sitting next to one of the doctors, um, a female doctor that was giving him a tour earlier that day. Um, but it was a huge round table. So there were a lot of conversations going on and, um, we were very open with the fact that, I mean, we were moving to Vermont, not just to have a random, um, family medicine job right. in a state yeah. far away from all of our family and culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were really open with them about the fact that we were interested in ministry, um, an evangelical church. Um, and we were pretty upfront with that. So, um, one of the doctors and the doctors that was sitting next to me, she ended up trying to figure out which church we were a part of. Mm-hmm. And she ended up actually not really finding the church we were a part of. But um, she found um, another evangelical church around there. And she read their statement of beliefs. Mm-hmm. And she got to the part um, about our statement of their statement of belief um, about like homosexuality mm-hmm. um, and... Um, she started naming words like, like perversion and, um, just all of these other, all of these other, like kind of, I guess, trigger words for her. Oh yeah. Um, and that made her really uncomfortable and really nervous. And she was like, and I love the way that she worded it. She said, is this going to make you uncomfortable? Because this is a very important part of our community. And this is the reason people move here is because that's something that they believe in. Um, and I, it was so crazy because, um, months before I'd finally really nailed down the scripture, Mm -hmm. um, that showed me 
why I believed Mm -hmm. um, this biblical view of marriage of a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. I'd never understood why, but when I got to Ephesians, ooh, I feel like I should read it. Yeah, do it. Okay, so when I got to Ephesians, um, I think it's 5, verse 31. Let's see. Um, it talks about it talks about the how marriage is um, between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. and the best part about this verse was it talked about how um, there. I'll just read it. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church, and. That in itself, it even states that this mystery is profound. Mm-hmm. He even calls it a mystery. Yeah. So it made me feel so comf- comforted mm-hmm. that I don't really have to understand it. He said, this right. is this mystery is profound. And I'm saying this mystery of marriage and that man and that woman marriage and that union, it is a direct referral to Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. Marriage is a metaphor. It's a spiritual metaphor. Right. And it's so right. important. And um, whenever I... Whenever I realized that, I explained all of that to her. And yeah. I wasn't even reading scripture while I was explaining it to her. I right. said, well, I don't know if it's it makes me uncomfortable or offended, but because I believe the Bible is the word of God, I just believe this. And yeah. I believe this because it's a spiritual metaphor about my God and my spirituality. And like, yeah. I mean, when I, when I got done with the conversation... Her eyes were so wide, and she'd never heard that explanation before. Right, it right. had nothing to do with my uncomfortability and my skin crawling because two people. That, right, that's not right. what it's about. For me, it was about this scripture, and I mm-hmm. I knew that scripture. Mm-hmm. And I knew it in my heart that I didn't even know I was quoting it to her. But mm-hmm. when we got finished with that entire conversation, um, and we were talking about it later on, I it. I realized we had done Bible studies on Ephesians. Yeah. Then our pastor had spoke on Ephesians. So God had just written it on my heart and he had prepared me to be this dissenting voice, but right. to know why I believed what I believed. Yeah. And later that night, after that conversation, she came up to me and she said, hey, I really enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. meeting you. And I said, yeah, yeah, I do too. And she said it again and she looked me in the eyes and she said, no, you don't understand. I really enjoyed that conversation. That's awesome. And I was like, that was it. I was like, yeah. you know what? Like fear has no place in, right. in feeling like we're um, alone in our beliefs because the word of God shows us what we can believe. And, right. and honestly, the word of God is in my heart when I don't even realize it's there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, that's powerful. That's so good. And that, that just speaks to the voice that we, that we will have in the community. Um, it's, it's gotta be not an ignorant voice. It, it's gotta be grounded in scripture and it's gotta be, we've gotta be able to explain why we're saying the things that we're saying, just like you did to that woman. Because that's so important because so many people, they, they, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do what you did because they would just kind of assume that, well, you know, it's because the Bible says so. That's not a very convincing argument, really. Um, and that's not really an explanation of, of why does the Bible say that? I'm like, I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, the Bible says that, end of story. It's another thing to walk through like the, the, the counsel of God in that. And, and that's so much more powerful um, and it's so much more 
conversational too. You're not just shutting down a conversation when you're doing that. You're actually opening up the conversation to actually happen. And I think that's going to be really important for us too as we move forward with the church plant as well is that we want to be a church that opens up and invites conversation in uh, so yeah. that we can have conversations with the, with the culture around us and we're not just being like, well, the Bible says that we can't do this and this and this and this. And while those things may be true, we have to be able to explain that. And, yeah. and we, we should want to talk with people about those things mm-hmm. because that's ultimately how you make disciples is uh, is is teaching the things that, that God taught. And, and, yeah. you, and you have to... Yeah, give really him the credit he deserves. Yeah, like exactly. say what his word says, right? Yeah, <laughs> and give 100%, him the opportunity, a hundred percent, to to speak to those people. Right, right, exactly. So we we can't be an ignorant voice. We have to be uh, an intelligent and um, scripture saturated voice, just like you are with that woman. And that's man, ugh, that gives me goosebumps. Like I've heard you tell that story before, and I love it every single time because that's exactly what it's about. That's what making disciples is all about and and it's it's going to be interesting because i mean i'm sure every conversation that we have up in vermont's not going to be like that um and some may end up a little bit more heated on one side than than other conversations will be and there's another theologian that he said that there are two different types of persecution in the world and one is much more deadly to the church than the other and he said first you have physical persecution and that's the persecution you know people like our brothers and sisters in china or in the middle east or um, north korea uh, that they go through every day Um, but he said in those types of persecution and of those physical types of persecution you often see the church expand and grow and catch on fire in these amazing ways i mean the church in china um, is massive uh, and a lot of it has to do with with God using that persecution for his glory wow. um, and then he said the second type of uh, of persecution is is psychological persecution where you're being called a bigot you're being called yeah. mean and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and a jerk and all those kinds of things and he said that those those types of persecutions are often far more deadly to the church because wow in the West, we just don't get what true persecution is like. And mm-hmm. we think that being called a mean name is the end of the world. And we we forget that when we're here, you know, we're supposed to identify with Jesus. And Jesus was, uh, he was identified with the suffering servant from Isaiah. Um, I mean, we, we see in scripture clearly that, that Jesus came to his own, but his own rejected him. Uh, and, and we can't really expect any less uh, mm. as well when we go up to Vermont and we start having these conversations. We pray that they go uh, as well as the conversation that you had with uh, what that woman does. But we have to also be ready and be not destroyed by conversations that on, on the other person's end, they, they take a personal attack to us mm-hmm. uh, because they don't like the message that we're, that we're bringing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard. Like, I don't like being called mean names at yeah. all, you know? And I can see how that's so true because so many people, they so many Christians don't want to have conversations with other non-believers or with non-believers because they're afraid. They're yeah. just, they're scared and they, they, they don't know what to say. They don't know how to approach it. And they don't want to be, I don't know, attacked on Facebook or something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, it's tough. Yeah, I, I... It's, 
I like to kind of tell myself, um, I may have mentioned this before, but just, and I say it all the time, I know in my own circles, but if nothing else, and I mean, it's a sacrifice, it is a real sacrifice, but if nothing else, um, as much as I want to win, yeah, numbers to God, yeah, that would be great. And as much as I want to, or I want to see the numbers that, that end up being one for God, um, if nothing else, I'm access to this this view. I'm mm-hmm. I'm at point of access to this faith and this mm-hmm. belief because it, it is encouraging in a way to see how few people believe in the Word of God and in the gospel. Like we mm-hmm. will be believing um, in that area, and I mean, if we're not there, then there's so many people that don't have access to yeah. this type of belief because they don't have access to a flesh and blood person that they can live and see the Mm -hmm. the gospel come alive in their lives. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of people look at people in Vermont or look at us being on mission in Vermont and think, Hey, they've had their chance. Like Mm -hmm. they've read the, they've heard the Bible. They know exactly who Jesus was. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. not stupid. They've, you know, they've been educated, but have they seen the power of God in someone's life and the transforming work of the mm. gospel? Have they seen that? I don't think they have. Right, right. Because that gospel is powerful. Yeah. And I want them to have access to that. I mm-hmm. want them to see me have my second child and feel hopeless and then cling to the word of God and, and revive strength in my spirit. Like I want them to see that. Right. Um, and if we're not there in the communities that we're going to end up in, Mm -hmm. they won't have access to that. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like thinking of these, these countries in the middle of, or these, you know, tribes in the middle of nowhere. They've never even heard the name Jesus before, you know, that David Platt goes to, it's like, (laughs) yeah, Vermonters, they're, they're, they can be lacking in access to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. And it's, yeah, that's, that's ultimately the voice that we want to put out there, right? I mean, it's the voice of the gospel. And, and it needs to be unapologetic, you know? It needs mm-hmm. to be unwavering, um, even in the midst of, of these trials and, and temptations to be silent and temptations to... Mm-hmm to to soften the message or or anything like that um it's got to be steadfast and built on the the cornerstone of jesus and i mean that's the that's the only way to move forward with that and that's the only way to move forward with any of the the i don't know the psychological the the mean names that will be called you know when we (laughs) we get up there um and uh, i'm not saying that that's not difficult and that's not like heartbreaking when that happens because i know i'm I'm sure it is, um, but I mean we've got to persevere and push through it because, like you said, I mean we're like we'll be some of the only real, tangible flesh and blood touching points to the gospel. Like, you know, we're the only, um, you know, we'll be the only some of the only people that are born again that these people have experience of of really speaking with in a lot of instances. Um, and I think that's why we must also be joyful in the suffering that we do experience. I mean, that's mm-hmm. Romans 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, be joyful even in the midst of the, the pain that we're going to experience because that's going to show 
uh, that's going to speak volumes to the community as well. Um, and then not only that, but we're, we, there's positive aspects to, to having a voice in the community as well. I mean, mm-hmm. we can be, you know, serious about, um, about justice. We can be, we can be a voice for, um, caring for the needy we can yeah. be all these different voices that will gain the respect of the community as well yeah. so it's not all bad you know the yeah. church does do um and and i pray that our church will do mm-hmm. uh good things for the community because we want to to be the the, the hands and feet of jesus yeah um and and that's going to be a really important aspect as well um that i think can sometimes be kind of forgotten about or, or not talked yeah. about enough yeah you know so yeah all right, you have any more thoughts or? Man, it's or, just all so good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I, I guess that's what I was, um, I've just been, I've just been kind of mulling over that. Like I said, it was mm-hmm. a huge, it's always been a huge struggle to feel like, you know, having a unique perspective and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it's exciting, like as we're talking about this, just to see, you know, like, okay, yeah, you're right. That's that was Jesus. That was, yeah, that's right. like the whole story of the Bible and his people and that's good. Yeah. If we're feeling that, then we're we're good and we're <laughs> we're on the right track. But yeah, I mean, just being love and just seeing Jesus' example, it's um, it's definitely the focus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, so Thank you so much again for, for listening to this podcast. Um, if you have any questions whatsoever about um, our plans to church plant uh, in Vermont, um, by the time you're listening to this, the Hunleys, Lacey and her husband Ethan and their uh, little girl Heidi and their baby on the way, uh, will probably actually be in Vermont. Um, and we will be, uh, my family and I will be uh, coming right behind them. Um, but if you have any questions at all about any of that, please feel free to visit truthfordoubt.com slash church planning or email us at truthfordoubt at gmail.com. Um, we would love to answer any questions that you guys have. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, maybe next time we'll have one of the other team members on. Um, that would be really cool. So we may see if we can make that happen. But anyway, I hope you guys have a good morning, day, evening or night (laughs) i think i covered all my bases there all right thanks for listening goodbye